Out. The albums are out. The website's open. The man is playing live. Uh, the bands are back. Michael B and Sonny T are back. Yeah, you get, getting a bit excited and ahead of myself. But yeah, a lot of things are happening. So welcome once again to the Lotus Flower Impressions podcast. We're going to be covering absolutely everything today. Um, just a word of note, though, we're not going to be doing our usual... Um, album reviews and, you know, cutting them up and dissecting them one by one. Just a brief um, snippet and, and like like I said earlier, first impressions kind of um, roundtable discussion and going through all sorts of things, the website um, and, and, you know, the issues related to it um, and not just the music and, and also, you know, what's new, what's planned, what, what are we going to see for the rest of 2009 because it's shaping up to be a pretty big year and um, there's a lot of discussion everywhere now we you know for anyone that's listening you're just about to get four opinions from four guys from the land down under but there's a lot of prince fans internationally that are um some of them are going crazy over the new material and and, and whatnot and some of them not so much but um we're getting into everything today so how's everyone going first of all very good not bad yeah good to, <laughs> good to hear two yeses and a no um okay so I guess firstly we should start off with what's most important, um, at least to me, which is the music. We've waited since uh, early 2007. It's been, uh, I guess, just a little over two years now, and we've got two whole new Prince albums and uh, and a third Prince-related album, which is the Bria Valente Project. Um, and it's all out there, three CDs of material, almost like a, you know... A, kind of harks back to the Emancipation and Crystal Ball releases. I mean, there's a wealth of material here. Um, so we'll just go through and get a few different impressions about about the discs. I guess we'll start with the centerpiece, uh, which is Lotus Flower. Uh, seems to be the main the main kind of album or draw card here. The, the website namesake as well. So just go around the table, start off with Player. What do you think about Lotus Flower? All right, there's, there's one problem with this album for me. It's too damn short. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so good that it's just wanted me to get more. It's like, it, for me, it's like a mini Rainbow Children, like a sort of like a stripped down edited Rainbow Children. And like each of the songs are only like two or three minutes each. I think the longest one is the outro track. It's the longest track on the whole album. And yeah, it's, it's 
for me, it's like as a whole, it's really, really good. All right, Toe Jam, what do you think? Uh, you had me worried then you say there's something wrong with it. I'm like, I know, <laughs> me too. I was like, whoa. Sorry. You know, I seem, to, I seem to say this every new Prince album that comes out. Oh, it's the best one since the Rainbow Children. But, like, seriously, this this is the best album since the Rainbow Children. <laughs> it just has that, you know, it's so, it just sounds so um, earthy and raw um, that, you know, a few of his last albums have sounded a bit, not plastic, but um, it's kind of missing that kind of live studio sound. And this one really has it, really has it. Um, there's so much to talk about this album. The first and the last tracks, they're like the best tracks on the album, I think the um, intro outro it's so um, almost sort of return to forever to career kind of stuff and I love that kind of stuff um, even the Undertaker stuff what do you mean about the Undertaker uh, like you know the DVD the uh, yeah I oh, know yeah. they only released it in VHS but where like the end of Dolphin oh uh, yeah, yeah similar to that yeah. music yeah yeah it reminds me of the last you know the last few minutes of the Rainbow Children the song yes it's, it's like that you know, the first and the last track is kind of expanding on that kind of sound. Definitely, yeah. But you know, and it's again, it's pretty eclectic. But it all it all kind of fits together. Nothing sounds like just just been tacked on there. There's no tracks on there to me. You know, in every Prince album, there's something you think, oh, he's just throwing that on there as a bit of filler. But you know, this one seems to flow really well all the way through. I find. Yeah, I, I'd say there's no filler on this album. No. Although having said that, I haven't heard the. Um, I've only heard the download version so far. Um, I haven't heard the uh, well, how it works with Crimson and Clover and the, the longer version of Boom, which I haven't heard yet. Okay. Actually, I don't know if there, if there is a longer version of Boom. Huh? Okay. Just jumping in there. Yeah, I, I know there's been a lot of speculation about that, but uh, supposedly some people in the US that have, that have listened to the album are saying that it's exactly the same length. So what, it, it ends abruptly? Yeah, pretty much. And then goes that's into a shame, because that's an awesome track, though. I know. I hate I know. the way that that ends, though, just so abruptly. Mm. But if it if it ended abruptly and then kind of ha- had a really nifty way of phasing Crimson and Clover in, maybe it could work. But I think that um, anyway. But we haven't heard it. But by all reports, it ends abruptly, and uh, on comes Crimson and Clover. So a lot of people have been saying it's a shoddy editing job. But hey, I won't go into my thoughts too much yet. But anything's better than the morning after. Off to Captain we go. <laughs> <laughs> it is the best album since the Rainbow Children. That's without a doubt absolutely true. It's I haven't been I wouldn't say I'm excited, but it's I'm It's I just like an it. album. It's just an album. It's just <laughs> say it. The last the last six years have been just albums. This is this is something good. Lots of whammy bar, um, but not too much. I actually listened to this album again today, specifically just listening for whammy bar, and it's in there. You can't be serious. No, I am, because I knew we were going to talk about it. I started work today and I listened to it just listening to that, and it's in there, but only in parts. There is. I, th- I think he must have heard. He must have listened to the podcast because it's so great. <laughs> and uh, he took that on board and cut out some of the whammy bar on, on these albums. So I'm happy with that. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess we'll move on to me. Uh, someone's going to have to stop me short 
I don't know if you can tell by my tone, but I'm completely ecstatic with this new material. Um, and I've let it... I, I've, I've given it a chance to settle, not completely. And again, for anyone else listening... Um, you know, they, these might not be tidbit reviews. We might be going a, a little bit into the albums, but they're definitely not a track like we said, and they're not going to be detailed. However, I have to make a few points. For me, Lotus Flower is Prince's greatest complete album since the Gold Experience. How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a clue or two. And, and the reason I say the Gold Experience is that although mu- I put m- the Rainbow Children on a on a um, musical level only into the, the top three or four greatest Prince albums, or maybe even higher than that actually when I think about the musical component but a lot of the uh, the tones and undertones and the lyrics and etc etc all the usual things blah 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 kind of I, I always put that album to the side you know I, as good as it is it's not a, as cohesive for me in that in that sense so for this greatest album is a gold experience and, and I tell you what I never thought this would happen I, I literally was mesmerised um, a few days ago when I was listening to it thinking because when I first heard it I thought oh it's it's good but it doesn't you know it didn't completely bowl me over but as you can tell I'm pretty bowled over so 12 tracks of pure unabashed musical bliss is all I can say about it I mean it's it, the only thing the only other thing I can say about it is it's a great it's not just a great collection of songs and it doesn't have the usual hit or the usual, you know, couple of hit songs. It doesn't seem to be in that tradition. It's more in the tradition of something like "Love Sexy" for me. Yeah. And mm. if this if this album was tracked as 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 one track, as one song, um, I think it would play really well. Uh, like Tojem said, it kind of fades in and out really well. I love the Jeff Beck instrumentals. <laughs> I'll call them Jeff Beck instrumentals or Return to Forever, whatever you want. But they're they're really cool. Um, and then it goes into you know a lot of other material, a kaleidoscope of material. And as uh, varied as it is, it, it just it comes off. Everything kind of fits. I don't know why, because, you know, the filthy funk of um, feel good, feel better, feel wonderful shouldn't necessarily go with something like Colonized Mind, but it works. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, overall... I'm wrapped. This is this is my time to say. <laughs> this is my sign of the times and love sexy for the twentieth twenty first century. And I'm only making that comparison if a comparison has to be made. Let me just put it out there and say that because um, this album isn't that co- comparable, comparable to those albums. It stands alone and it's a great piece of art. Um, anyone else want to add anything overall to the Lotus Flower project? I'll just say. Um you know, in some ways, we, we keep saying the Rainbow Children Gold Experience, the Rainbow Children Gold Experience, but in some ways, this is uh, not overall, but one thing that makes this one better than those two is that it's not full of these annoying segues and, you know, religious rants kind of thing, mm. uh, which in some ways almost pull those two albums down a little bit because it's not something you can give to your friends and expect them to really enjoy. Whereas this one, you know, I can give this to, you know, people who like alternative rock and that kind of thing, and I know they'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, anything else about this particular project from anyone? Um, we could go on, but <laughs> yeah, we could, we could, and we'll have to stop ourselves short. But yeah. I mean, if there's if there's anything major, we can always we can always go into it. Uh, so that's CD number one. Uh, 
going into you know disc number two or, or album number two, I should say, MPLS Sound. I'm just going to call it Minneapolis Sound because that's what it is. Um, let's do it again, but in reverse. Captain, what are your thoughts on uh, Minneapolis Sound? Are you a bit more excited about this release? I was at the start when I first listened to these two albums. I listened to them probably about five times each, like in the first day or two. That's and more than you've listened to Musicology since it's yeah. been released. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that, that must show, I think, something of these albums more than the last few. Um, but yeah, Minneapolis Sound, I liked more for the first couple of days. But now, overall, it's Lotus Flower. Because listening through MPLS Sound today, I heard a lot of filler to my wow. anyway. Wow. And But it's still a great album, better than anything he's done in a while. And we're just going to keep saying since, you know, since, since Rainbow Children or Gold Experience. But uh, this is different to Lotus Flower, but I've got to say I like Lotus Flower more than this one. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, player, what are your overall thoughts on MPLS Sound? Yeah, it's... um. It seems like he's um, not, wrong, not running away from his past anymore. Seems like he's embracing it more as a more peace with it, like with like sort of the instrumentation and like uh, you know, like it, it seemed like he used to keep moving away from it, trying to distance himself for it, and now he's sort of embracing it more because um, he's re- resurrected some some of the classic sounds, um, some of the new synths that he's using are really nice. Um, standouts uh, for me uh, uh, Dance for me And No more candy for you um, Perhaps one too many Slow songs on the set I think he could do yeah, Do without that's, that's, that's called filler Ah <laughs> oh, come on I beg to differ on that You're no. going to see me Here Great songs Awful Great songs Awful Oh, oh let's get on the gloves me. Here we go You're going to see me Horrible Here Horrible Oh man oh. This is going to turn into a fist fight Captain Valentina <laughs> Horrible Better with Oh horrible. what What The <laughs> The album that starts and ends good But the middle is just trash Oh man Seriously Crazy you That's all that, I have to say Quoting another Prince song Just oh, Skip skip Most skip tracks <laughs> oh, Too many <laughs> Man but there's All no right. Spanish man on this one, so... There's no Mr. Oh, Good no, but, but I heard, isn't there a Portuguese... I heard something in there. A Portuguese <laughs> waiter or something in there. <laughs> Are you sure you listen to the same album? <laughs> it was in one of his stupid little raps. I heard him going there was a, the, the, There's a Mama Cita or something. Um, uh, what is it? A, a DJ. In, uh, what's it called? Yeah, uh, they'll Never Be. Another Like Me. Anyway. Uh, Toad Jam Minneapolis Sound What do you um, think? I'm kind of Agreeing with Captain a little bit But not completely I really like the album But I do agree that there's Maybe one too many ballads And You're going to see me I'm really not impressed with it Because to me It's, it's, it's exactly the same as the, the piano version Except with the, with the bells and whistles of the, the Lindrum and, and, you know, the keyboard sound effects. But, but don't you think the bells and whistles completely change the song? I mean, obviously no, I it's... I think it does. I think it almost detracts from it. I really prefer the piano version a lot, a lot better. Um, I think 
uh, I like here. I think that's a really good. Uh, that's the best of the ballads. And what's the other one? Um, Better the, the time. time. That to me, it's okay, but it it sounds like something off Rave, Rave to the Joy Fantastic. Um, like I, I, you know, I don't hate it, but it, it is very skippable that track for me. But the rest of the album, um, really like the rest of the album. Um, Dance with Me is probably my favourite. Uh, kind of has this you know strange, strange relationship kind of groove to it. Um, <clears throat> Valentina, I really like the music, but the lyrics, I don't know. I'd like I just, in five years' time, that <laughs> that song's going to sound really dated. Just the lyrics of that song. Yep. <laughs> uh, other than that, like old school company, how funky is that thing? Yeah, that yeah. is. Oh, that's a track. <laughs> oh man, I, I just won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what else is there? Like, no more candy. I didn't like no more candy the first couple of times I heard it. No but, more uh, candy grown, for you. I've no grown, more candy for you. No, no, no. I've, grown, I've grown to appreciate it a bit more. I've grown to appreciate it. That is so, my, that's my favourite song on the album. I'll just say that. It's so ballsy that track. He's never had something so ballsy as that in ages. Uh, it's, it sounds like he's just trying to recapture like delirious and um, you know horny oh, toad. Like it's good. I, I like it. I like it. It's. Well, I didn't like it when I first heard it. He's not trying to capture it. He did capture it. That's yeah. the difference. He hit, he, he, he hit. nailed that song. He nailed yeah, it. Yeah, he, he hit it. On, yeah. If he was trying Definitely. to prove that every you know everyone's saying no, he's he's lost it. He he can't make him make the hits like he used to. If that's him trying to prove that he can still do it, he did it. Mm. Fair enough. <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> that song is great. You're outvoted, uh, Jim. Oh, no, I don't. You know, I, I like the track. I like it. Don't get me wrong. But the first time I heard it, I just thought, what the hell is this? With the stupid keyboard line it's got. But then I listened to it a load more times, and now it's the favourite song. Probably out of the whole two albums. Have you grown to, like, Chocolate Box? Um, I have. Sort of. <laughs> Actually, my feeling hasn't changed on that song since the first time I heard it to hearing it 20 times, which we'll get to eventually. All right. I'll I'll do a quick roundup Um, from my point of view. I find it really hard to separate the two. Uh, I'll go with my heart and say Lotus Flower because overall I think it is the stronger album. But MPLS, Minneapolis Sound, whatever you want to call it, is... um, it's just strange listening to it. And I think it's strange listening to it depending on whether you're a new fan, old school, kind of somewhere in the middle there. Because if it, it just depends. Like for me, I've, I've, I've got a pretty, like we all do, a pretty um, intimate knowledge of the songs, you know, of, of this man's career. And listening to it, you just hear in every single song virtually, except for maybe Better With Time, the Minneapolis sound. Literally, but the, the the thing that's that's kind of weird is it's it's updated. It's an updated version of the Minneapolis sound, and it doesn't sound corny. Yeah, it doesn't sound cheap, and it doesn't sound. It actually, to me, it doesn't sound like he's trying to recapture the sound. What he's to me, it sounds. This whole album is like just a breakdown of this is what made the Minneapolis sound. I'm going to take all these little elements and textures, use them but use them in today's headspace, where, you know, where he's at, spiritually, emotionally, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's, um, 
some of the songs like Dance For Me, oh God, that has to be one of the best songs on the album, easily, on both albums, mm, is yeah. as good as, is, Dance For Me is as good as anything that he did in the 80s. As good as anything. Yeah, if, if that was on, if that was the exact same track on Sign of the Times, people would still be talking about it. Oh, you know. Man, Dance For Me is better than some of the material for me on Sign of the Times. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Some of it. Like, I would, I would take Dance For Me over It, potentially, or something like that, yep. you know? Um, it's just so funky. And on headphones, your mind explodes listening to that song. And the, the part I love, I'm pretty sure this is this song where, um, right at the end, and I won't go into any more detail after this, but I just had to say it. Um, <laughs> towards the end of the song, he's saying, like, you know, oh, something Dance For Me is so sexy, and his voice breaks up. <laughs> like, like, like when he's saying it, like he just can't take it. She's this, this, this woman or girl that was dancing. He's talking about is so hot. He just can't. Like, he just his voice breaks. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And he's in Camille mode. Love it. Absolutely love it. So yeah, um, like you know, we're not going to go into every track, but this is the update I was waiting for. It's the extension of Prince's Minneapolis sound, and nobody can touch this. Um, I'll end it with this. Uh, I'm a big Frank Zappa fan. Just recently uh, finished reading a bio- bio- biography of his, excuse me, and um, there was something in that book that really kind of stood out to me and, and was kind of a parallel in Prince's career when you compare the, um, the careers of, of these two guys. Frank Zappa said something along the lines of every album he made wasn't necessarily... He wasn't trying to take a step in a completely different direction or, or it wasn't that he was making... It, different albums to prove himself and all these sorts of things and it wasn't that he was returning to some of the sounds and themes that he that he started his career uh, you know with it was all about conceptual continuity and I know we're getting a little technical now but conceptual continuity is exactly what MPLS sounds sound like to me he's taken the concept and he's continued it and it's it's killer it's got a little bit of filler but on the whole it's killer um yeah, I think uh, that's what's really good about these two albums is that you know in the past he would have tried to mix all these all into one album and had some sort of hodgepodge um, thing that was really eclectic. But I think in this one he's he's taken his time and he's like no 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 I'm going to have the acousticy rock album and I'm going to have the electronic pop um, album and I think it's good for him to do that I agree, rather than I try agree and put them all together and you know square peg in a round hole kind of thing. Yep. Well, well, on the back of that, what do you guys think? Do you think that if those two albums... Because I agree with exactly what you said, Jam. I think if these two albums were put together, um, they wouldn't be as successful as they are on their own. What do you guys think? I think it's like a little bit like the Gold Experience where you had a mix of the funky stuff and the rock stuff, and that worked really well together. But this seems like a dissection of that. He's taken all half-half, and he's just like made a you know, conception of both and really taking his time with it. I don't know. I think for me personally, you could take bits and pieces, like the best tracks of both, and make it into one album, and it sound really good. But it just depends which tracks he picks to make it work. Well, do you, do you guys really even consider these as two separate albums in the sense that they're separate, you know, like just separate albums? Like, for example, comparing Musicology and 3121. If you put those two together... They don't sit in harmony. These kind of do, to me anyway. Maybe because they've been released at the same time. I don't know. I see them as separate albums. I mean, yeah, because they're released at the same time, you've sort of got that in your head. You yeah. might have recorded them at the same time and it was all part of one project, but 
to me, they're two different albums. It's just nice to see him return to the sort of concept album again, where he's, um, as you're saying, um, rather than just trying to have a collection of the best tracks he's recorded in the last year kind of thing. Mm. Well, the, the other thing to me is that it's hard to believe that this guy, this non-immortal, <laughs> is this far into, this, into his career. Um, and an album like MPLS Sound, is the work of one man at this stage in his career. Like, that is ridiculous. This, he's, and who knows whether some of these are vault tracks or whatever the case. Maybe let's not even go into it. Let's just, you know, appreciate the, uh, the work for what it is when it's released. But what does everyone think about the fact that this is, you know, Prince is releasing a song like Dance For Me 30, over 30 years into his career, and it is smoking hot. Dance For Me blows anything anything that remotely fakes the funk that will be out on radio that has been out on radio for the last 10 years and that will be out on radio for the next 10 years yeah definitely it's ridiculous it's and it's it's the work of one man the guy was sitting in the studio he produced dance for me from a to z on his own and put it on mpls sound and it's smoking <laughs> the only weird thing about Ridiculous. Listening to these albums is on a song like Dance For Me, it just kept coming into my head, this guy's 50. <laughs> singing these sexy songs that, you know, 20-year-olds are singing. That just kept coming into my head. But he's no ordinary 50-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But still, it just kept coming into my head when he's saying these sexy things. And I'm like, yeah, but you, know, you could be a grandpa. Well, the thing is, this is this is the same guy who five years ago on the musicology in musicology interviews would say things like, you know, uh, you know, whether it was a spiritual undertone or whatever the case, but you know, personal view. He was talking about, you know, covering up his own skin. You know, I can't remember. I think it was on a Tavis Smiley interview. He said something like, uh, you know, you can't be showing that old skin anymore. It's old skin, <laughs> something like that. And, you know, he's like forty-five back then. He's five years older now, mm. and he's putting out material like "Dance for Me," "Chocolate Box." But he's Gym. always doing it with the, you know, with the Camille voice, especially. It's always kind of tongue in cheek as well. Yeah. It's not. He's, you know, a lot of this stuff. If you take it seriously, you, you're kidding yourself. It's, it's a lot of it is kind of semi <laughs> semi humorous, and that's what that's what makes it so great. I think. <laughs> I reckon some of it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dance for me is, is hilarious. Yeah. Speaking of hilarious, let's move on to Elixir. <laughs> that is a perfect segue there. Oh, Brian, Brian, Brian. <laughs> Captain, you better, take the, you better take the floor. This one's yours. <laughs> this album is horrible. I, this, I hadn't listened to it until today. I listened through it once, and it was torture. It was just horrible. I, I couldn't make like the whole thing. You hated the whole all thing? the tracks. I was like, um, there were two tracks, I think, which were okay. Um, the last song, Elixir. No, not Elixir. Hang on. Elixir's the last track, yeah. Uh, I've got it's a, more like a duet. That uh, number five, Every Time. Oh, that's the first sing- single. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I think I might have liked that if Prince was singing it. It's... For me, it's the most interesting track on the album. To me, that's the worst it's song got a nice melody, But, yeah, the whole album in general, I think, is just pretty bad. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> it's not just an album. <laughs> it's much, much less. It's, exactly. <laughs> it's just a really, really bad album. Whoa, this is getting bagged out more than I thought it would. Wow. Yeah. I, I listened to it, honestly, and I thought, I'll give this a go. I didn't expect it to be good, and I thought, okay, I'll listen to it. it there might be some good songs. There wasn't. It was just the whole thing. I just was like, oh, my God, what happened? Brian happened. That's what Brian. happened. Brian. Jeez, Brian. Toe Jam, what do you think about Elixir? I remember you saying something like, oh, you know, guys, the album that I'm looking forward to listening to the most is Elixir. Because, you know, the other the other two albums is probably going to be Prince by the Numbers doing his <clears> usual thing. <laughs> I can't wait for Bria Valente. Well, from what we'd heard previously, that was you know that was the album that I was most intrigued about. Just mm. what's this album going to sound like? And I I don't hate it at all, but it's you know it's certainly the um, the weakest of the three by far. Um, there are some good songs in there, but um, I don't know. It's just it's it's just a typical Prince Protege album, and it's like it's a good thing to put on when you want to hear something slightly different, but it's, it's by no means, you know, groundbreaking in any way, shape or form. Um, you could have recorded this exactly the same 10 years ago with Shaka Khan or 10 years before that with, you know, someone else. And it would have, it'd be, it'd be the same. Um, the best track on the album is the last one for me. Um, he licks her. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept wondering, why is this elixir spelt incorrectly? It kept bugging me being a teacher. Yeah. Why is this spelt incorrectly? And then I heard it, I'm like, that's why it's spelt like that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> he's, he's not talking about cough syrup. Smarty no, pants. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's the best track on the album for me. It's just so um, sort of, as a, you know, very sensual and, you know, it's very blatantly obvious what they're talking about kind of thing. Um, what else is it? Yeah, the two tracks that really kill it for me are um, Tonight and Home. They just sound bland R&B to me um, yeah uh, I don't mind every is it every I forget every time or everywhere um, the single every time yeah every time yeah I don't mind it but first time I heard it I thought oh this is like you know Tiamo Corazon sort of thing and then listening to it a few more times I'm like no oh, it's oh. very it's very kind of ballad by numbers kind of thing it's very kind of not like Tiamo Corazon yeah there's, yeah, there's one there's one kind of melodic line that's sort of semi-interesting. That mm. sort of sounds a bit like the Phantom of the Opera. If Prince was singing every time, I think I'd like that song more. Yeah. But still, even with her, it's one of the only songs on the album I'd actually listen to more than once. And Tonight was the other one, which you don't like. <laughs> no, that's just... That's just it, that sounds like something of Children of the Sun, Child of the Sun to me. It's just Yeah, it, it is, but everything on this album was so slow up until that song. That was the... That was the, <laughs> the, the BPM, the BPM woke you up. Exactly. <laughs> everything was just so slow and crap, and then finally there was a song that woke me up. <laughs> so I actually didn't mind that one. As we always do on the Peach and... As we always do on the Peach and Bake podcast, I was just going to say a big shout out to Bria Valente from Australia. Hey, Brian. <laughs> Down under. <laughs> with oh, the, good with stuff. that last song, Elixir, that's the duet with Prince and Brian, isn't it? That's the one. <laughs> so, is this the first duet Prince has ever done with another guy? <laughs> 
No, he's done a few duets with himself, I think. True, true. Uh, but it's certainly, you know, if I had to score them out of 10, which, you know, I hate doing, but you kind of have to. Um, you know, Lotus Flower is a 9. Minneapolis Sound is a, an 8. This is probably a 6.5, 7. All right, let's keep it going. Six, Captain, oh. out of 10. All three. Okay, Lotus Flower, I'll say 8.5. Minneapolis Sound, I'll say... Oh, seven and a half, not eight. Uh, Elixir, you can't, is there anything under zero? <laughs> I'll give it a two and a half. Two and a okay. half. Player, <laughs> where'd you take the half score for? <laughs> Got to give Brian. Uh, <laughs> all right, Elixir. I think it's a good overall open album if you don't have overly high expectations in the first place going in um, there's some crap songs on it but you can find some good stuff in there but um, essentially what this album is is no matter how good or bad this album is it will end up for most Prince fans being played once or twice put on a shelf, gather dust it's one for the collection um, eventually Prince will find some new chick, move on to her, and this is just another album to add on to for for Bri- uh, Bria. It'll be something that she can add on to her resume, and that's going to be the most of it. Um, some of the tracks, uh, I think, if Prince took them and used his vocals on it, um, they could work. Um, so is it, is it the, vo- the vocals that spoil a lot of it, or look? <sighs> I don't think it's the vocals. I think she's trying to make a niche market for herself. I don't think she's trying to be, um, like, running up against Britney Spears or anything like that. I mean, she's even... The way they've marketed it, they've made the comparisons to Sade. Um, You know, she's not quite at that level. But I think that's the sort of what they're aiming for, just something that's a bit more laid back. Um, there is It is a bit of a mixed bag kind of collection. You get some... Dancy songs there, some laid back stuff, but um, I mean, it's it's pretty good. But you know, I, I don't see myself playing it, you know, like the other two CDs. I'll, I'll only play it a couple of times. So I'll probably show it, but there is some good stuff in there. Um, and I was on Facebook the other day, and I was looking at her profile, and I was looking at her um, her like resume, if you call it that, but. I mean, she's done some modelling. She's done... She says she's done co-lead on Song of the Heart, the background vocals for Mr. Goodnight, and she was on the Usher album, 8701. She was doing background vocals on that album. So, you know, the other thing that I find interesting is she hasn't showed up in any of the promotion. She hasn't done the Leno. I thought she would be on that. Hmm. Um, She hasn't done... Really, I mean, she's done the video. She's only very briefly mentioned in the Target ad. So uh, it, it seems like she likes to sort of sit in the background a little bit. So, yeah. But overall, it's okay. So what's, uh, what's the scores? Or did I miss them? Uh, look, I haven't really had a lot of chance to listen to all three albums, but at this stage, I'd say Lotus 9, Minneapolis Sound 8, Elixir 6.5. All right. At this point in time, but that meant okay. I'll just say made, what Tojan was saying before about this is just an, another protege album. Most of his other protege albums have had at least a couple of decent songs. This has nothing. Oh, I I disagree with you there. It has a couple. Uh, I'd say it has. Uh, yeah, I'd say it has a few decent songs. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the, more. the question would be, uh, on that album, out of Elixir, out of He Licks Her, uh, what, uh, is there a single track that, that adds to or expands upon the Prince uh, canon? And I think um, Elixir does in some ways, I think. With the, um, you know, just the groove to it. It's so, oh, I guess it is kind of princey. <laughs> um, but that, that, you know, that track to me sort of really stands out as being, it's something really unique to me anyway. And not just the lyrics, just, just the groove of the song and the, the sort of sparseness of it. Yeah, okay. I, I guess we'll go. We'll, we'll get into a lot more detail when, when we do this review for anyone listening um, we'll later. Have a whole on. podcast bag up. Yeah. Well, what, what we're going to do is the usual. We'll, we'll review Lotus Flower. We'll review Minneapolis Sound and MPL, MPLS Sound. And um, should we review Elixir after tonight's comments? I think we will. Probably on the back of um, maybe uh, we'll, we'll mix that album review with something else to spice up the show a little bit. Um, yeah. So. We'll go into all that. I, I guess, from my point of view, that keeping in keeping with the uh, out of ten rating system, I'd have to give Elixir. I have listened to the album once in full and a few times, just bits and pieces, kind of background lounge music. So I can't rate it properly, but I'll give it a I don't know a four for trying. Um, you know, if it was anyone else, if it was a, a, any modern R and B artist, I'd probably give it a two overall for the content. But I just think that some of the songs, from what I heard, have, have these little prints. Princisms, and they, they kind of they, they turn something very bland into something a little better than really bland. <laughs> so and bland, like the drummer. Yeah, we're the real drummer, and uh, so that's it. But MPLS sound, I give that a solid eight and a half to nine, and uh, Lotus Flower's got to be nine and a half to ten. I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm going to re- reserve the 10 for, um, for, for further listening, but I'll just give it a, a solid 9 at the moment. But you know what? In, in the back of my mind, it's a 9.5 to 10 at, at this stage. It's just that good. And uh, I just can't believe, again, going around in circles as usual, can't believe that this material has come out. Such a cohesive album. It just makes me smile. Um, every time I listen to it. And it's it's not getting old, guys. I know it's only a few weeks, but I remember getting Musicology. It was a little bit different because it was, there was a huge promotion behind it. Um, so I kind of gave it a, some more spins. 3121, initially I listened to it a fair bit and then it dropped off and Planet Earth. I listened to it a few times and then put it on the shelf. So this is a good sign. Uh, I guess we'll see... Uh, We'll see how well time treats it, whether these albums get better with time or not. Uh, so, those are the albums. I'm sure our views will change as we go along. Now let's get into a few of the other things. Uh, maybe start with the website and um, what everyone thought about the website for those of us that have joined. And, you know, from, from, from day one, the opening, what was on offer... Uh, any issues or, or pro- I know I had a few any so I'll, issues I'll leave, yeah, I'll, I'll leave those to the end I didn't even um, join and I had issues <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyone want to take the floor maybe start with ToeJam what did, what did you think and, and how did your experience with the website go yeah I signed up on day one as I said I would probably do um, the first couple of days were a little bit 
annoying. Um, it's very, very slow. You couldn't really do anything. Every time I tried to download the albums, it had cut out halfway through. Or then I'd get the download and I'd try and open it, and it wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't. What do you call it? Un unzip them, kind of thing. So the first few days are a little bit annoying, um, but you know, since then they've seen. I don't know what they've done, but it seems to run a lot faster now. And um, yeah, the the videos that are on there, there's some nice new things that no one had seen. But as we predicted last last podcast, no doubt we're not really allowed not really allowed to download them, which is a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of potential there. You know, it's a, people forget that it's a 12 month thing. So what's up there now isn't representative of what's going to be there for the whole 12 months. Um, so you know, it's it's still open as to whether it's going to be worth it. Uh, it's me. been it's it's only been a few weeks technically. Yeah, exactly, and I, you know, you see people complaining that oh, that's all that's on there. It's like, well, it's a 12 month thing. You know, who knows what we're going to get for 12? You know, in the next next month, next week, who knows? So wait and see. But um. Yeah, now that things are running a bit a bit smoother, uh, it, it's looking good. It's you know it's very classy and you know, I like the graphics to it. The video globe's kind of cool. Uh, it's just a matter of you know how how well he utilizes it from here on in, I guess. How long did right. you get sick of it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Player, what did you think when you first logged in? Uh, look, um, if it, it was my birthday the week before the site opened and. I got, like, money for my birthday, so that was the reason why I signed up. Any other time, I don't think I would have had the money to actually do it. A lot of fans didn't have the money to sign up, so I thought, what the hell, I'll sign up. But my intention was, from day one, was to give it a few hours, see how what people were saying about it, and then I was going to see if it was worth diving or not. And the first thing I saw was everyone complaining about um, how hard it was to get in and all the problems they were having, so... I thought, oh, do I, don't I? But I went in and I didn't have any problems like the other people. But I do think it was stupid how they created a puzzle to get in. I mean, this guy's trying to make 77 bucks and he makes it into a puzzle to the keys of the front door. That's really <laughs> dumb. Like, you had to write in 1986 in Los Angeles or something. I mean, that was pretty stupid. They should, should have just made it easier. Um, the thing that was a little bit worrying was... They've made it a secure site now, but at sign-up, when you're entering your credit card details and all that, it was unsecured, and thought that was a little bit of a worry. Um, I saw on some forum, there was a guy in Australia that signed up, and he wasn't having any luck, and he signed up five or six times, and then he got a call from the bank, and the bank said, oh, you know, do you realize you're being charged $77 US five, six, seven times? (laughs) So, you know, I don't think there was any contact point and I, th- I really feel for that guy if he's been charged that many times um, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at launch time um, I reckon Prince was given those web designers heat when that happened but um, <laughs> I, I feel for those web designers because I'm sure they would have been feeling that when all those problems started happening I, I feel, don't feel for them at all uh, well, are you yeah, kidding me? Um, I feel feel a little bit for Prince because I'm sure he would want it to be successful. I'm sure he didn't want those problems to happen. So, But at the same time, you know, he's done this sort of thing a couple of times before and with the three months prep before it, you think it would have been a lot more um, well prepared. So it was a bit of a d- disappointment. Um, I also feel sorry for some of the fans in LA because I think when they were having these troubles trying to log in, they missed out on those... Uh, Nokia tickets. Yeah. Or they call it Nokia. But um, 
they missed out on those tickets because, you know, they had trouble getting in. So I really feel for those guys. So um, content, it's, it's good, but, you know, some, a lot of the stuff is already released. So hopefully it'll uh, develop over time. Um, I would have liked to have seen um, PDF files for the song lyrics um, to download them and print them out. Um, yeah, it's, it's, sorry, it's pretty funny when he won't even let you download the lyrics. It's like, come on. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to sit. I don't want to sit in front of my computer for an hour reading a screen. You know, yeah, and having to, re- yeah, yeah. I'd rather like take my music elsewhere and and go through the lyrics. So I really hope they change that because you know I don't know why he does that. Um, I was hoping, or well, I hope they add a retail store, some sort of section where you can buy some stuff, some merchandise. Um, I hope they add more content. Um, and yeah, just the regular issues. They had the speed issues, of course. They had a lot of the um, um, the streaming was a lot um, jittery. Um, they had some of the corrupted files, and I think it's just a little bit disappointing that they held back this site for three months. And you know, they were talking it up hard, saying, you know, you can't wait. You know, wait till you see what's going to be on there. And then you, there was all these issues, but it seems like they are working on it because the streaming's a little bit faster. Um, so, yeah, that's it for me. Okay, let me grab a grab a hold of this beast called Lotus Flower website. Um, I've got a few things to say about this. First of all, the morning after sucks. <laughs> I cannot stand that song. I like that song. What is up with that? I, is, um, I didn't like it, but it, it grew on me. It's okay. It's all the midnights too. <laughs> yeah, part two exactly. It's um, man, what is it? <sighs> I just gotta have a, a catch a catch my breath here because the thing is that I, I really like Crimson and Clover the cover. I was kind of waiting for that, and I'm I'm happy that they did offer something different, but especially because my CD is in the mail and I'm waiting for it and I can't hear the actual album. See, for me, the the actual album, Lotus Flower CD, is going to be the Crimson and Clover version, not this version. Uh, even the way that, that the, the morning after segues after Boom, I didn't, I didn't really care for it. The, the drums are like completely weak comparing Cora or whoever it is on Boom, I hope. Um, sorry, uh, Michael Bland on, on Boom um, to, to Cora's drumming on, on the morning after. So, But we will go into that another day. Um, media reactions? Uh, to the website were exactly uh, the same as the fans lukewarm at best <laughs> and in some circles completely livid I mean exactly what, what players said to, to wait this long uh, to have such a huge opportunity to work on it for that length of time for, for I mean quite a lengthy period of time and, and for an artist of Prince's calibre they were talking this site up as, you know, something that's never before been done, that's never been seen before. And in reality, I've seen way more impressive websites than this. That's just my opinion. Uh, I've got a mate that designs websites that could have done a similar thing. Now, as, as to the bandwidth and dealing with all those secure payments, you know, he might not have been able to do that, but the graphics, they're impressive, I know people that can that can produce that kind of work. So he's working with web designers that are skilled and talented, but they're not introducing a website into the World Wide Web that has never before 
be insane, you know. And the the thing that really pissed me off was supposedly a statement from the web designers, and I'm speaking to them loud, and I hope they'll hear me loud and clear right now, where they said that they something along the lines of, and this is not verbatim, they apologized for the fact that there were a lot of delays and stuttering and streaming issues and all those sorts of things, the slowness of the website at the beginning. But this particular technology and the website that they designed was pushing the very boundaries and limitations of the internet and computing and the digital age as we know it. A load of fucking crap, Mr. Scott Clay Addison, and I'm I'm just going to stop there. Um, This is my point. You make that statement, and then two hours later, the site is running smoothly, quickly. The globe is spinning so fast I can barely click on a freaking video. That is a joke. Those guys are punks for saying that. Because seriously, how do you make a statement like that? First of all, we're pushing the very limit. If they were pushing the very limits of technology, they couldn't have turned it around a few hours later and made the site run absolutely smoothly. What they did was they had it optimized for, I guess, a different browser for high-speed computers, etc., etc., etc. They didn't have it optimized for the average user, for the average Prince fan, and this website launch failed. That's all I have to say about the Lotus web flower, uh, the Lotus flower launch. And if the music was shit, just like the morning after is, um, <laughs> then none of this would have been redeemed. But because Prince pulled, pulled out of his ass one of the greatest albums that he's ever done, in my opinion, as a whole piece of work in Lotus Flower and, M- and Minneapolis Sound, that's all forgiven. So that's my rant on the website. Did you see um, Dr. Funkenberry, what he had to say? What did he say? I, you know how the site got launched at 7.07 or whatever it was, LA time? which was probably a bad move because, you know, that's going to crash the site or whatever. Um, he wrote just before it launched on his site, um, oh, that's right. I've got my credit card ready and, you know, you won't be disappointed and, and all this stuff. And then underneath that was all these rebuttals and all these, oh, you know, if you're having trouble, we're going to work on Europe soon and we're going to fix this and that. And it was just like, oh, no, like why would you, you know, say something like that? And then, yeah. but anyway... It happened. Yeah, so, you know, th- those were the website issues, and, and the guys contradicted themselves. The, the secure payment option did not exist for a lot of people, and I know that frustrated them, um, and there's no way around that. You're putting up a site like this, you have a secure payment option, yep. and, and you make it obvious to people. Another thing is, and I, and I, wrote, I wrote Scott Addison Clay and the support team, of, which is basically Scott Addison Clay, at, for the Lotus Vale website, I wrote him and, and, and his pal or pals an email um, with extreme disappointment and frustration. And I tried to make it as diplomatic as I could. Um, this was within a few hours of, um, no, not within a few hours, within a day, let's say, of um, logging onto the website because I was charged three times. <gasps> now, pending. I those were odd. <laughs> I know. Those were all pending charges, right? So they hadn't come through. But the fact that it's freaking sitting... Now, uh, I'm not an idiot. The reason why I had three pending charges is because I attempted to sign up three times. But the only reason I attempted to sign up three times was because every time I, my credit card got rejected, it didn't give me a logical, yeah. blatant reason for why it was denied. It just said, there's an issue, try again. Yeah. Well, guess what, guys? I tried again and again. And, and got charged work. again. If and again. you are, are, are putting up a site of this magnitude to 
the amount of fans that Prince has online, it's your third attempt at building a website, you better be sure you create a system in place that accepts payments from all over the world. Yeah. You want the money, you want it via credit card, and all of a sudden you've got all these fans from Australia, UK, Europe, etc., Asia, trying to get on, and their cards are being rejected. Can you imagine the type of reaction some of these people had? And uh, I'm not a rich guy myself, but can you imagine someone who's spending the little money they have or yeah. attempting to spend it? You know what I mean? I agree. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. You know, the guy's living on Cloud9 and his team of web designers. That's just not good enough. But then again, you know, it's all over and done with now. Since then, I've written um, the web designers another email um, telling them how fantastic I think the site runs now in comparison to the way it did. And that's genuine. It's heartfelt. I think that they did speed, speed it up. They optimized it, etc. It works perfect now. Thanks, guys. But the, the launch was just, you know, it was just ridiculous. And you should just be man enough to stand up there and say it. And, you know, don't give me the bullshit about we're, we're pushing the, <laughs> the very limits of internet technology because that just... And I don't mean, cut it. They had three so, months to, to build it or possibly more. Who knows? But... How well could you prepare a website that's going to get hammered by that many Prince fans at the same time? I mean, re- I don't know that much about websites, but how could you have prepared better for you know thousands upon thousands of people hitting it at this, exactly the same time? Well, I, I don't want to, I guess, spend too long laboring this point because I think I've already done that threefold, but. The, okay, you're not talking about a, an up-and-coming independent artist. You're talking about one of the biggest artists in the world, artists in the world currently, um, you know, on, on all accounts. The guy who a few years ago had the highest-grossing tour, you know, the guy is loaded. And he's spending his money, it looks like, on a very small team of web designers, probably hosting all, this, all these files on a, on a limited bandwidth. Yeah. You know, they might have thought it was, you know, heap. He knows how many fans he's got because look at the MPGMC that he had. You've, you've got to use that as a benchmark. So yeah. I don't think I'm not giving these guys any slack at all, or nor Prince. And in fact, it's not really their issue so much because what he says goes. He should have said, "I don't care how much it costs. This cannot go wrong." That's what you do. And that's the same thing you should, have, you should have done, moving on to another topic completely, and let's take this as a segue to some of the live gigs, leaving the Leno appearances aside just for one minute. Some of the sound issues that they had supposedly at those gigs for, a, yeah. for an artist of Prince's caliber and technical, you know, he wants everything to be perfect, give me a break. You know what I mean? You make sure the sound's perfect before you go out on stage. This isn't, you know... Well, you know it's even worse than that. He's even said that he saw Alicia Keys there and she had the same sound issues and yet he booked the venue to do the same gigs himself. He exactly. knew that they had those issues. And he even said, I think, after the gigs when he had all the problems, he said that if the venue fix it up, he'll play there for free. Now, that sounds to me really cocky. He thinks that, to me, I know he doesn't like playing for free, or we probably won't see him play for free. So I think that even says to himself that Nokia um, can't fix those issues. So he's, he's pretty, you know, cocky in the sense that he'll say, well, you know, they're never going to fix this. So, 
you know, it's bold enough for me to say a statement that I'll play for free because he'll know it never happened. But the, the mere fact that he knows that there was sound issues and he still, you know, and even he does a lot of sound checks. He's, he gets these fans waiting outside lined up for hours while he's doing his sound checks. You know, you think that all of this would have come up and it would have been fixed because, you know, a guy of his caliber, he, he keeps his live issue or his live sets, you know, very high. And for him to carry out the three concerts with those sound issues, it's pretty disappointing. It, it sounded like it to me. And just closing on that before we go into the Leno um, appearances, because I guess they, they, they preceded these live concerts. The other thing I have to say about that is that that's, it's a stupid statement to make, the one that he made about seeing any other artist, Alicia Keys or whoever, at that. It's, it's just what it is. It's, a, to quote a Pink Floyd album, a, a momentary lapse of reason. Because you're just admitting to everyone what a fool you are. Yep. You know, I mean, if you knew that, it's kind of like he's making this, he, may, he must have made the statement thinking, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to say something really cool, kind of blame it on everyone else. And really, if he would have thought about thought before he spoke, he would have realized that saying that is just completely ridiculous. It's a, it's a stupid thing to say. So, um, but again, I digress. Oh, I need a glass of water, guys. Um, going back to the initial TV appearances, the Leno appearances, there were three of them. Started up with the first night, they performed a track off the new album, one of the new albums, MPLS Sound. It was called Old School Company. And there was a lot of feedback and responses on the org and in Prince, um, in the Prince Online community, etc. What did you guys think about that? Toe Jam. Um... Yeah, I think of the three nights, that was probably the weakest one. But I was really impressed the first time I saw it. Um, yeah, no, I think he, he captured the the sort of the, the Minneapolis sound with, you know, the flamboyant shirt he was wearing and the glasses, taking the glasses off and all this kind of thing. And, uh, uh, you know, the, he has this new, um, what do you call it, uh, harmonica player. I think he's really cool. A lot of people are kind of, you know, a lot of people don't like him. I think he works really well in the band. Uh, yeah, of the three nights, that was probably the week looking back on it it was the weakest but at the time it was like oh that, that's that's killer but he does fluff his lyric he fluffs the um yeah that was painful and you kind of like, oh oh what's going on there but he picks it up all right all right captain did you see that performance i did i don't it was i think it was a good performance but i don't particularly like that song it it, it was better live though than on the album but um, I wish he did something like that, you know, the dollar sign song, whatever that's called. Dollar. Money. <laughs> Money. If he played that song, I would have been happy because that's one of my favourite songs on that album, on Lotus Lower. But, yeah, I don't like Old School Company that much, which, oh, hey, that's an MPL sound anyway. Mm. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was a good performance. All right, all right. Mr. Player, what did you think of it? Of Old School Company? Yeah, the performance. Yeah, um, I think it was... Um, I liked it a lot better than the studio version. Um, I liked the set design. Um, the fact that he's going into, um, you know, having something visual to look at because the last few sets that he's had, it's just been a plain set. And now he's actually got the, the jellyfish and, you know, it looks a bit like the website. He's got the rock formations in front of uh, Morris Hayes and... 
uh, chorus drums light up and they've got the lights. So, you know, it's a, uh, I like the fact that he's going back into that sort of thing. It'd be like Son of the Times, like lights and stuff. Um, the band that was really interesting to see, Elisa Fiorello, come back into the fold. Um, uh, Frederick Yone, is that how you pronounce it? That's right. He's, yes. he's pretty cool. I mean, like, I don't like a lot of harmonica in the songs and probably the only artist I would tolerate would be Stevie Wonder. Um, but this guy uh, can manage to pull it off as well, so I think he's really cool. Um, and just the other notable thing about that performance was his um, big um, thongs or flip-flop shoes for people yeah. that sees that. I'm not talking about his underwear. I'm talking about his shoes. <laughs> yeah. I remember I didn't see that the first time, and then I watched it a second time, and I'm like, what the hell is he wearing there? What's going on there? <laughs> well, I want to I wanna get a pair. Where do you get them from? <laughs> I didn't even notice. I'll have to watch it again and look at his shoes. <laughs> it's like, once you notice it, you never you can't stop what, looking can't at it. You can't stop looking at it. All right. Um, I guess I haven't really got too much to add on that. Uh, I agree with everyone about uh, Mr. Yone, if that's how you pronounce it, Yone. He's cool. He's, he's pretty funky. Uh, I like that he comes in for a little bit and then goes away. You know, he just gives you a bit of that harmonica vibe and then, and then kind of lets the song take care of the rest. Um, what I really like about that performance, and I'm pretty... Oh, I'm just thinking, is it... I don't want to get him confused. It's either... No, he wasn't... Was the harmonica in Dreamer? Yes. It was yeah, okay. every three notes, all three All right, notes. all right. Well, then, then there's just this little thing, this cool thing that he did on the footage um, where he was twirling his harmonica. Yeah. I, I just thought that was funky. <laughs> that looks so sick. And he's like, he's like bobbing his head to the music and he's twirling his harmonica. So the guy's got some, he's got some class, you know, he's, he's one of the old school, kind of old school company cats. So I really, I really I really dug that, but I guess that's from the second night. Yeah, Old School Company was cool. It, when he fluffed the lyrics, he kind of got that constipated look for a, a semi-second to me, where it's like, oh, oh, oh I'm going to lose it now. And he kind of, you know, got it back, so so that was all right. But, um, yeah, it was a good performance. I mean, it's the usual 31-21 band playing like they do. The harmonica gave it a bit more. The guitar solo at the end was okay, and, uh, yeah, there you go. But I just... The only thing that was kind of I felt awkward about was he starts off the performance and he did this little I don't know what you'd call it a jimmy <laughs> like a little shake he, he he kind of I don't know it, it it was it was a little bit too effeminate even for me so um <laughs> I don't I don't know if if anyone knows what I'm referring to but that's uh, those are my thoughts on old school company and then um from that they moved into the second night on the on, on the Leno show, which was the return of the Afro, <laughs> <laughs> the return of Sonny Thompson, Michael Bland, Sonny T, Michael B, and Maury Hayes are in the house. That's crazy. That is crazy. I was ex- I was just ecstatic to see them together, and it just it just takes me back. You know, it was like watching um, I don't know. I was watching them on some. Like, like, it was basically, as if time didn't exist for me. It was just so cool to see these guys back together, as if I was watching some French TV show um, from '94. You know, yeah, exactly. It was just so cool. And then Sonny's there's a point in the song where in Dreamer, um, when he sort of like 
comes over to to, to, to the drums. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of oh, well, I, I just if Prince would have turned around then and kind of all joined joined them and kind of given them a, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for a like a a bit of a smirk or a, or a, like a yeah, we're doing this shit again. But that didn't happen. He ripped the performance though. Great work. Uh, what, did, what did you guys think? Let's go in reverse. Play up. Dream up. Yeah. Um. Definitely. Like. Uh, my expectations going into the Leno thing, I thought he was definitely going to do that. Like the singles, I thought he was going to do Chocolate Box, um, Crimson and Clover, and I thought the third night we'll see Bria and him in the background. So for him to pull out these three songs, I was kind of surprised. Um, Dreamer, it seems like will be eventually a single because they've been using it in the Target ad and on this performance. Um, the guitar solos, I mean, what can you say about it? It's, it just goes off. Um, lots of whammy bar action. Um, Sonny T with the big afro. That's um, funky, man. Oh, it is. Um, Michael B's, you know, killing it as always. Um, I really hope that, you know, he keeps these guys, um, you know, works them um, as part of this Lotus Flower project because it's really good to see them all again. Um, and the other thing that's notable about this performance is him giving his guitar to um, that guy from tmz.com that dumbass at the end who oh, then yeah. posted on all the forums that um Prince he, Casey's guitar. guitar yeah he owes me a guitar and all this stuff so yeah but I think that was a cool thing to do just to hand over his guitar at the end of the performance but the guy that accepted it you know needs to get his house what does off. everyone what does everyone think about that though let's get let's get Toe Jam and Captain into this and you know what, what, what do you two think about that you know giving the guitar to, to, to the kid. I think it was cool guy. that he gave it to the guy, but I'm just going to say, how stupid would you be to think that he just gave you his guitar, you know, and you can yeah. keep... That's just... How dumb could you be? Only in America, my friends. That's no, just, I'm joking. To use your word, that's ridiculous. It's just <laughs> really stupid. Uh, when I saw that, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be pretty... Uh, from. Um, I try not to judge people, but I, I think you'd have to be pretty arrogant to think that. To think, okay, someone's just given me the instrument they played on live TV and I get to keep it. Yes, it's mine. Like, give us a break. That's not how we do it in the down under. <laughs> was... You know what I mean? But yeah, it, it's just an ego thing. You know, he works for TMZ. He thinks he's really great. And he thinks, you know, Prince... No, apparently, like, every, apparently just... everyone in his workplace said, oh, he gave you his guitar, then technically that's yours or something so I think enough people said this to him that he convinced himself he thought, that yeah. yeah that he owes him a guitar or something but yeah it's just ridiculous well that just even shows again how dumb he is that he's just going to believe what everyone tells him yeah. so, Jim, what do you think about this you should have this? your own brain to think for yourself without thinking what other people tell you you got to think Is that um, nice? <laughs> about this incident I didn't really care too much for the incident um, I thought it was just really cool the way Prince did it he, he, it looks completely spontane- um, spontaneous he just sort of like hits the last note looks around oh, I'm just going to give it to this guy it's, it's yeah. just, that's just cool about Prince is he just does this kind of spont- uh, spontaneous stuff um, but yeah seeing Sonny T and Michael Bland back um, you see them back and you hear them play and you're like man what's he doing with Cora and Josh <laughs> as much as I hate to you know I don't hate them at all they're amazing musicians in their own right but you're like Man, these three guys are just unbelievable together. He was gave wearing me chills. Gave me chills. Yeah. He was wearing that weird thing, like gold 
chain mail or whatever the hell it was under his he was, shirt. And he was wearing heels as well on that performance. Yeah, he was. Look at us three guys talking about fashion. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing heels. <laughs> they are but, um, the song in general is, it's a cool song, but it's, and it's, you know, clearly um, a Jimi Hendrix kind all of right, song. All right, all right, all right, all right, you've said it. <laughs> I, I had an internal. <laughs> to the point where it's almost bordering on, you know, there's, there's a, a limit between being influenced by and kind of ripping off, and I think this one pushes it a little bit to almost ripping it off. All right, guys. Tojan brought it up. I had an internal bet with myself that which one of the three will say it first. <laughs> and it was you. Um, okay, let, let's just have a quick two, two or three minute rant on this because if any, if no one else will jump in, then I will because I've got some thoughts about it. Um, Dreamer, Voodoo Child, same song, similar, very completely similar. different, similar in structure that it's got like a main little guitar riff that he plays. And, but we know he likes Jimi Hendrix. I mean, you go look at old Jimi Hendrix videos and what he was wearing and the, the way he, the Jimi used to act on stage. Prince has ripped off so much from Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. It's just, it's expected he's going to play some Jimi Hendrix-like stuff sometime. But it's, it's not a cover song. It's an original composition, original It's an lyrics. homage. Yeah, it's it's clearly an homage. He's not deliberately ripping him off. Like he's using that sort of style, but it's almost to the point where you think, well, it's it's almost too close to it. Um, I don't know. That's like I'm probably just rambling here because I do like the song, and I really like the lyrics of the song. Actually, I think the lyrics are pretty um, on spot. Because he did um, Red House on the that Jimi Hendrix album, yeah, tribute album, whatever. It was. Which is which is basically a cover. Yeah, and he did Machine Gunner, which was just a guitar solo, which came out in the MPG Music Club, if anyone remembers that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, again, I like this song better than, than on the album, because I can see Michael B. and Sonny T. On, yeah, the just... al- on the album, I can think that they're there, but it's not the same as seeing them. Well, It was so ac- good to see them. Actually, I am pretty sure... They're not on that track on the album. It's Cora and Josh. <gasps> oh, no wonder I like the live one more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm almost certain that it's Cora and Josh. I'm going to check that now. I've got the credits here. Give me All right, <laughs> have a check. And while you're doing that, I just want to put my two cents in since no one's um, no one else is jumping in. I, before this show, I did something that I haven't done before. <laughs> I compared a Prince song to a Jimi Hendrix song back-to-back, and obviously I haven't done it before because there hasn't been a need. This time I felt a need. I felt so... There's there's a stupid thread on on Prince.org that says something about... The guy who started it said, Dreamer disgustingly steals from Hendrix's voodoo child. (laughs) I mean, get off the freaking forum, you know what I mean? If you're going to make a stupid statement like that. I'm I'm fine with someone having an opinion saying, I believe this... Just the way he wrote it just pissed me off. It's just disgustingly steals from... That's almost as dumb yeah. as the guy who got the guitar. I, I saw the, the first title. <laughs> I think it's the it same like, guy. Prince the Indian Giver. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you sake. talking about? They must be. They must be friends. Those two. I don't know. But um, this is this is what I got out of it. I listened to now. It's critical which version you listen to. Voodoo Child, as it's spelt like the country Chile, or Chile, is very very different from Voodoo Child's Slight Return. 
Now the comparison is is the Dreamer comparison is against Voodoo Child Child Slight Return. And the comparison is this. The first intro guitar section, the motif, I guess. And then after that, there's a drum breakdown that sounds kind of similar. And then it goes into a few chord changes that also sound remotely similar to my ears. Now, they are in the same vein of song, but I'm split, and I know I'm splitting hairs by the same token, but I'm split in my mind as to whether Prince composed the song as a as slightly as an as an homage to, to Jimmy or whether he actually composed it and and during composing it or after composing the track and arranging it etc he kind of thought oh shit this sounds like kind of you know I, I've I've unconsciously brought to life one of the biggest influence, musical influences in my life. So, I don't know. Again, I, I don't want to ramp on too much about this, but I listened to them back-to-back three times, starting with Voodoo Child, then Dreamer. And I did that three times, and I'm telling you right now that there are heaps of similarities, but there are as many differences as there are similarities. So, it's just one of those things. It I mean, might also be intentional as well, because he, you know, the lyrics are talking about you know, kind of the aftermath of you know, Martin Luther King being killed, and you know, Jimi Hendrix is around that time, and um, that whole kind of, you know, that era of that late 60s, early 70s kind of rock sounds, uh, was that that was the sound at the time kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it could be deliberate as well to make the I mean, song. Yeah, it could be a reference not only to, to, to a dreamer such as Martin Luther King, it could also be a reference to Jimi Hendrix himself as a dreamer. I mean, you know, he was, a, he was on another wavelength on this whole spiritual, political kind of, kind of thing. He had that, um, he was kind of, a, you know, that, that philosophical type of, of rock musician, I guess. Um, so it could be. Uh, the, the thing is that I think, at the end of the day, I agree with, with what Tojay mentioned earlier. The song is a good song. The song stands on its own, and, and it's got some quite poignant lyrical commentary and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just, I have to admit, the more I read people comparing the songs, the more I see the comparison. So I think I'm going to just stop reading it and enjoy it for what it is. So, Did you have a look at those credits? I did, and it says, um, track. there would be track 11, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, CC Dunham and Josh. Wow. There you go. Wow. I, I didn't think Michael B was on the drums. That was even before I read the reviews. It was just something a bit... Yeah, because he, he'd done it a little bit differently on the live performance. Mm. He, like, he was, like, hitting the bell and stuff in that breakdown section, and, like, it, it doesn't appear on that. But I, I didn't realize that it wasn't actually him. So, yeah. So, Michael B and Sonny Tear on tracks one. So, that would be the intro track. Track five, that would be... Um, Colonize Mine. Colonize Mine. Seven would be uh, uh, man Love Like Jazz yeah I think it would be nine would be uh, nine would be uh, Wall of Berlin oh yeah clearly and the last one which is the outro okay mm. fair enough which I think the uh, the first and last song are probably one piece but just split yeah yep so um so yeah <laughs> There we go. There's the Leno appearances. Now, um... Night three. <laughs> night three. Well, actually, yeah, you're right. Uh, night three. Feel good, feel better, feel wonderful. Outdoor stage. Let's get some thoughts about this one. I thought it was a bit flat, but it's, it's, I love the track on the album, though. This is the one video that I haven't seen. 
Uh, I like the appearance. Okay. You do like the appearance. I, for me, I love it because it's got the Honey Collective in it. Just, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I just watch it over and over just for that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and then there was that guy at the front with the top hat. <laughs> yeah, he, he ruins it. He fully ruins that video. <laughs> just in the way, and he's just, oh, god damn, get out of the way. I think his yeah. name is Bobby, I think. I, I, if he's listening, I, I hope you He I, was waiting for play that funky music. That's there's, what no, there's nothing wrong with having that much enthusiasm, but when you're seven foot tall standing directly in the front, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could see you saying that to me at, at a gig if we ever end up at one. I'm like 6'2", so I, I feel his pain. But he was, he was wearing a hat as well. Yeah. God, that yeah. made him even taller. Taller, yeah. But um, he thought he wasn't blocking enough people's view. He had to have a top hat as well. Block <laughs> even more. Um, but even though it's um, it was a bit of a flat rendition compared to the album, which is pretty rare. Usually, it's the other way around. Um, I think this is going to be like a live staple. Um, you know, one of these tracks that he can pull out and sort of groove on. Um, you know, it's a bit like get on the boat or something, or. Even to a lesser degree, like Party Man or something. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. The interesting thing for me was that the band, um, you know, you got Band 1, Night 1, Band 2, Night 2, Band 3, back to Band 1. Mm. So, you know, it, 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 is this a sign that, that Johnny B will bring the beat and uh, Miss Rhonda Smith won't be, won't be back into the, the live staple of the shows? Well, they played the third night, didn't they, of the Nokia gig, so... Yeah, the Nokia They're still there. But yeah, I was kind of surprised as well. I thought we were going to see Bria all yeah, again. Br- yeah, she was just gone. I wonder why she's hiding so much. I've only seen one interview and it was on a red carpet. And she said, I'm so surprised that he released my album. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> but, I mean, is she shy? So much. Is she shy or does she have... Does she have no stage presence, or guys? I don't. Think Obviously, there's a reason. I don't think she's going to perform. If she does, it'll be on odd occasions. I don't think that he's going to bring her out on tour, and she'll be the opening act. Mm. Like I mean, Electra on Diamonds and Pearls. <laughs> yeah. Now that'd be good. That would be good. I'd, I'd watch that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think she's going to. I don't think she's going to come out on tour. I think she just accepts that she's, you know, Prince's mouthpiece for, you know. The voice on an album. I don't. I don't know. And and we don't really know what's going on there either. I mean, you know, there could be a personal connection there, deeper than than protege and, and mentor. You know, there they, they could be an item. Who knows? So, I, I, I don't think this is the Tamar. This is Tamar part two. Tamar could sing. Tamar could move around. She had a little bit of stage presence. Mm. And by the same token, this ain't no Shelby J. I mean, his backup vocalists are far better singers than someone he's going to bring out on the main stage. I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. So, so that's that. Um, a, a couple of things that um, I guess from those Leno uh, performances, a, a couple of things that struck me were the, the performances, as good as they were, didn't completely blow my mind. Is that a fair comment to say? Yep. I don't. Yeah. Like, I was really expecting him to tear the house down, and he sort of did it towards the end of Old School Company. Dreamer was a fantastic performance, but I don't know. I, I, I guess my, my bar was probably raised a bit a bit <laughs> high on those. 
I don't know. I was happy yeah. with them. I it's, don't think they were as good as, you know, other there's there's other TV performances that that have been better, but they were certainly good. I think it, it, they were good enough to make us forget about all the problems of the website, I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and, th- and then he went in and did three gigs, one after the other. Um, f- can we start anywhere else other than the set list? Let's just forget about everything else. Wowzers. Yep. I was not expecting him to play a lot of the songs that he played, and I've just precursed this all by saying, in a large room no light oh man I'm dying to hear that what oh that man is, that's probably my favourite outtake of all time so I'm, I'm Big waiting Big Call by Jam. <laughs> yeah I'd say it is um, so I'm desperately waiting to hear that why the only problem is that that was the show that had the horrible sound problems so I don't know how good it's going to be hmm and a lot of the people who were at that show said, you know, it was just a lot of the songs that were really minimal. It wasn't, I mean, a large room with no light. I mean, how good can that be with just like, you know, him and a guitar or him and a piano without all the stuff that's on, on, on the actual track? Yeah. It'd be, yeah. But see, that whole concert just looks like ballads mostly. The third but one the was. Third one, yeah. yeah. But the ballads, I mean, Insatiable, we, we've heard that before, but n- not nearly often enough, in my opinion. That's a great track to do live. He played that in Sydney in, in 03, and for me it was one of the highlights. It was just, As far as ballads go, it was just really, really good. Um, one, of his better, one of his better ballads, I think. But then Scandalous? Now, I don't know if these are 30-second outtakes or what, but... I mean, that's, that's pretty big news for me, for a guy to be singing that kind of stuff now. Well, he always used to play Insatiable and Scandalous together. Yeah. Like, 93, I think it was. Yeah. Those two always were together, so he's just pulled that out. But, yeah, most of that concert, it's just one after the other. You're like, what the hell, lay your hands on me, which is a but great I, song. That we- I mean, Under the Cherry Moon, instrumentals, lay your hands on me, which is probably... When I lay my hands on you, yeah, yeah. Uh, when the lights go down, I love you. I don't, but I don't trust you anymore. Where did that one come from? Yeah. She, she spoke to me. Um, if she spoke to awesome. me is an actual like full band song, that'll be excellent. So I really like that song. Yeah. If that that'd is be... like a properly done version, that'd be great. And um, I, I think the ma- the main show was kind of more filled with hits than the usual. He opened uh, the, the the Nokia Theatre gig with the Old School Company and Crimson and Clover, which is a good sign. And then off to the hits. Yeah, yeah and, and play that funky music. I tell you what, though, I'm not disappointed by that. I mean, he has to play some of his well-known material for a you know the first show. I think was was a lot you know the largest stage most kind of the more commercial crowd I think would have probably gone there yeah to the main event um so I, I, you know there's some good if I was your girlfriend it's nice to see that make an appearance and all that kind of stuff um and then the third the uh, the third and final one was was the one that really turned me on so to speak started up with I'm yours <laughs> wow I would have loved to have... Be, if if I could have heard one song that whole night, 
other than in a large room with no light, it would have been I'm yours. That would have been the th- just a thrill to just hear him play that. Do you know what I mean? Like playing one of the first songs that, ever. Yeah, that's still that never. Is, Sorry, you go. Yeah, that set list, the Congaroo, that is the best set list that anybody wishes they would have been at. It's just guitar rock, the whole thing. Hmm. Except maybe Colonized Minor, but yeah. But you've got Chaos and Disorder, I like it there. Empty Room, Peach, Spanish Magic, what is it? No, there was no endorphin machine. That was the that, only problem oh, with man. this concert. That, I'm going <laughs> to a letter. But you think with like Michael B and Sonny T that they would have done that at least? I did not do it, yeah. yeah. I'm happy they didn't. <laughs> I'm happy they didn't. Just because you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. I think I said, if, they ever, if I ever see them do that live, I will just lose my mind. Completely. <laughs> um, Pierre, Spanish Magic, which I think is Spanish. Castle uh, Magic. Spanish Castle Magic, probably, yeah. When You Were Mine, Guitar, Encore, was Three. Dreamer. Um, God damn. That is a good... So what do you guys think about all these... I mean, to me, I'm astounded at some of the songs he's been playing. I can't wait to hear I'm Yours, because that's... I really like that song. He should get behind the kid on that one, too. I'll finally be able to hear the lyrics, because I've never understood the lyrics to that song. Yeah, they're pretty buried. Yeah, I've never understood it. But yeah, the guitar, the guitar riff on that song's just great. I can't wait to hear it. Mm. That's that's assuming that, that... these set lists are an indication of what will be played and not just this one-off kind of thing. Mm. I, I think um, it's a little bit odd that nothing's been announced so far. Like, absolutely nothing. Like, you yeah, know, Where's the tour? Yeah, those three gigs are done and not a... Not even from on Dr. Funkenberry, which is the main source, I guess. Is the, there's no inkling of any information about the next gig. So you think, so much promotion, so much work has gone into this... You gotta bring it on the road. What's going on? Yeah, he's, he oh. needs to he needs to make a move pretty quickly because you know he's stalled it for three months. Yeah. 